Ephesians 5.21. Now listen carefully because this is a passage that's been misunderstood and misinterpreted uh, for a long, long time. It's speak, Paul is speaking here to the church in Ephesus, and he speaks about different relationships. All right, He starts here with husband and wife, and then goes into children, and then goes on uh, to uh, other relationships. But, but he starts out by saying this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, this word submit has been misunderstood for a long, long time. And it's been a, a point of contention in many marriages where, where ladies say, submit, submit, what are you talking about, submit? I don't, it's, it's not a very well uh, politically correct term in today's society. That word there does not mean that you obey your husband, wives, as he falls off of the cliff and says, uh, you know, you follow me and we're going right over the cliff. That word there actually means, has connotations of coming under his cover and submitting, listen carefully, submitting your right, your right, okay, your right to decide. Now, what does that mean? That means that you are trusting someone and you're coming under that husband's cover and trusting that he is seeking the Lord. And for many, many years, I've told husbands, give her something to submit to, to come under, Give her something to follow. So wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Because when you submit to your husband, when you give up that right, you are coming under the Lord's instruction first and under the Lord's cover first. Now, it goes on. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, okay, husbands, listen carefully. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So, Wives, submit to husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. A sacrificial love. A love that lays your wants and your desires and yourself down for that wife. Okay? To make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water through the word. Leading her into the word of God. Leading her spiritually, if you would. Now listen, listen as we go on. Present as a radiant church, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Now, we always think of like our body and we pamper our bodies and everything else. The connotation here, actually, Paul is talking about that two will be married and become, what does it say in Matthew 19? One flesh. They shall become one. And we're going to read that here too in a second. So when you take care of your wife because she is part of you, and when you lead her and you love her and lay yourself down for her, then really you're doing that for yourself because you are one. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, also in Matthew 19. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. Whoever, 
However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must, what's that word? Respect her husband. So wives, come under the cover. Submit. Give up your right to know that, you, that he's, Lord, I know, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to follow him. I don't know if I trust this, but I'm going to follow him because I'm believing that he's hearing from God, that he's praying, and that he's... So husbands, we have to give them evidence of that. And husbands, you've got more, more instructions than the wives. Love your wife, laying yourself down, that kind of love, sacrificial love, where you are giving up your, your desires, giving up your selfish stuff for your wife. And then, wives, respect your husband. Now, in the first two parts of this series of All In... We saw, first of all, three things. We saw that, that marriage is of divine origin. It comes from God. It's not our plan. And it's one man and it's one woman, right? Remember, we talked about that. One man and one woman, okay? Not one man, two women. Not uh, two women, one man. Not a man and a man or a woman and a woman. It is a man and a woman, divine origin, Okay, first of all. Secondly, it's meant to be forever. It's not a 90-day thing. It's not a six-month thing or a six-year thing. It is meant until death do us part. Number three, it's the cornerstone of an orderly society. It's God's, one of God's three main institutions that he works for and changes the world and affects our entire society. Okay? You have the church is the other institution. The government is the other institution. But marriage is a head of government. And so it's, it's one of the, it's a cornerstone of orderly society. In the second part of Ephesians 5, we saw that the man is responsible for the, for the leadership, for strong spiritual leadership of his family and of his spouse, okay? And that to do that, we men have to overcome our self or selfishness problem because we are like little kids and we're, we're so concerned about our toys and about our things and about what we want to go do and our activities and our hobbies and everything else. And so we have to deal with that and we have to give that up to lead our families and our spouses, okay? Now remember the premise of this whole all-in series is the, the, the premise of, of, of this is, is that for any marriage to succeed or any marriage to be successful, it's not a 50-50, like I give 50% and June gives 50%. It's got to be 100% and 100% for it to work, correct? So it's got to be all in. I'm all in here. You know, I shared with you, we, we, we had our anniversary in December 22nd, and we made an agreement early on in our marriage, even before we got married, that, that there would be one thing that, that was not an option with us. We're all in and an option in our marriage never was. The word would be never mentioned in our home. And she'll tell you that. And that word was divorce. Would not mentioned in our home. Okay? So we gave that option up right off. In other words, we're, we're stuck with each other. Divorce is divorce hidden on the table. Okay? So, that, that's, so we were all in from the very beginning. Not 50% in. Very, very important. Number two that Christ is the center of your home. Listen to me, church. You see that cross? If Christ is not the center of your marriage, if you do not have God in your home, and you do not have Christ as the center of your marriage, you're fighting an uphill battle. You need Jesus in your marriage. You need Jesus in your relationship with your spouse and with your children in your home as you need him in your heart and in your life. Now, in this final part of how 
to divorce-proof your marriage. The third part, of, or the fourth part, actually, because Brother John uh, preached last week on uh, friendships. But this last part on all-in, how to divorce-proof your marriage, we're going to look at five areas that the Holy Spirit has shown me through the years uh, that will help strengthen and help build your marriage into a godly marriage. Now, these concepts that we're going to look at aren't foreign concepts. We've, we've all heard of these before. They're basic things, but we tend to overlook them on a daily basis, and, and, and we don't put them into practice. And why is that? Well, I'll tell you why we don't. Because they cost us. Each one of these things we're going to go over today will cost you to implement in your marriage. It'll cost you a lot. It's going to cost you yourself. You'll have to lay down self for these five things to be implemented in your marriage. Or really, this, this message today in any relationship. These five things apply in any relationship. But in particular, your marriage, okay? And because the cost is so high, we, we, we tend to, to not put them in, into practice. Did I mention to y'all that Brother David and Miss Haley are having an, a, a marriage class starting next weekend? Uh, at what time here? Four o'clock Saturday. Saturday is introduction class here. Uh, it's called United in Christ. Did I tell y'all that, by the way? They're, they're, they're having that coming up this weekend, okay? So let's look closer at, at, at some of these things, okay? Five basic concepts that build strong marriages. The first one I'd like to talk about is communication. Listen to me. Communication, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, listen to this scripture. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death in your relationship. Your tongue, what you say, how you speak, how you listen, how you communicate is critical in your marriage. Now, let, let me preface before I go any further here. I don't want to see any wives doing this to husbands as I'm talking today. And, and I don't want to see, I, I, I kind of saw some serious looks and people looking straight ahead. And I don't want to see any husbands turning and say, he's talking about you. Okay, I don't want to hear that from any of y'all. This is, this is general stuff that, that, that I want you to apply to yourself, okay? But the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, life or death in your marriage or in your relationships, you can speak life or death in those relationships. Listen, listen carefully. We would think that all kinds of reasons are the number one reason for divorce, the reality is that the number one reason for marriage problems of any kind is a lack of communication. Everyone, church, has, everyone has an inner desire to be heard and to be understood. Everyone to be heard and to be understood. Biblical communication, it's not real uh, complicated. It's not piano making. It's, it's, it's real, real simple. Listen, listen to me. Biblical communication is three things. Taking the time, taking the time, giving the attention, and truly listening. Let, let me say them again. Taking the time, giving the attention, and truly listening to those closest to us. That's all it is. It's not rocket science. Taking the time, giving the attention, and truly listening to those God has placed in your life 
to your soulmate. Listen to this warning. Feelings of rejection result from a continued lack of time, attention, and listening and will grow into loneliness, frustration, and unhappiness. If that time, that attention, and that listening is not there over a long period of time, it will eventually take a heavy toll on any relationship, but in particular, a marriage relationship. Because feelings of rejection or unworthiness or they will creep in to someone's heart. And then before you know it, you've got serious problems. You've got something to deal with. You know, my first pastor, Brother Francis, used to tell this story all the time. He was a butcher in a, in a small store in, uh, in Baldwin, Louisiana. And, uh, and he told this story dealing with this subject that ladies would come in. In, in those days, they, they, they weren't these big, giant supermarkets. And they would come into the little store into the little meat market and, and, and buy meat for their families. And he was a butcher, and he noticed that ladies were looking for communication, for someone to listen to them. And they would start talking to him as the butcher. And before you know it, they were sharing things in their life, really things they probably should have been sharing with their husband. And he made this statement one time, and it sunk deep inside of me, that ladies are so that need that communication and that, and that feeling of, of, of being accepted and, and someone hearing their hearts, that they'll talk to the milkman. They'll talk, I don't think you have milkmen anymore, do you? They'll, they'll talk to the butcher. They'll talk to whoever will listen to them and show some kind of concern about where they are and what's going on in their life. A good communicator is a good listener. I call it the two T's, to take time and to talk. Time and talk, time and talk, time and talk. You know, now some people kind of qualify that and they say, well, we, we don't have quality time. Well, how about any time? Just make some time for your relationships. Make some time for your marriage. Make some time to spend some time together, even at first if you just stare at each other. Make some time to communicate. Listen to these quotes from ladies. This is a quote. When our spouse doesn't listen with his ears and heart, we feel unloved and emotionally separated from that person. One lady was asked this question. What one thing could your husband do right now to make you feel loved? Listen to her answer. This is a quote. It breaks my heart. If he would listen to me, even ask me how my day went, how was it, anything. Isn't that pitiful? That's a quote from a lady. Look at your handout, the first one. All in. Communication habits that will grow your relationships. Look for the good in your partner and give them a compliment. Praise your partner, your husband or your wife, as much as possible. Take time to listen to each other. Listen to understand, not to judge. Use active listening. Actually listen, and you'll be surprised. You'll go, well, hold on. What does he mean here? What does she mean here? And then ask him. Say, I didn't understand that part. Explain that part to me. Or is this what you were talking about right there? And you'll be surprised what that will open up in the interaction. 
And you'll also be surprised just how smart your spouse is. You say, hey, this woman's pretty smart. Hey, this guy's not as dumb as I thought he was or as dumb as he looks. Okay? Share your feelings. When issues arise, avoid blaming each other and seek resolution. Okay? If problems persist, use conflict resolution techniques, which we're going to go over next. If problems continue, seek counseling before it gets too serious and give your relationship the same priority and attention you gave it when you were dating. Oh, boy, that's a big one right there. The same priority as when you were dating. Oh, my goodness gracious. The same priority as when you were dating. When you were dating, the flowers were there. Oh, you sure look good tonight, baby. Let me tell you something. Oh, you're looking great. You see, because the hunt is on, and we men are conquerors. But once we get it and once we have captured or conquered, all of a sudden it's, and she's getting ready with the same hairdo and the same dress and the same clothing and everything else. And she says, where's my compliments? I'm not getting any more compliments because, oh, we've acquired her. We've gotten her. And all of a sudden, the thrill of the hunt is gone. Come on, man. You know that. I'm telling you the truth because I are one of you. Come on. Come on. And ladies, that diamond in the rough, that man that you see that looks like a big hunk of cement, and you're saying, I know down deep inside there, somewhere in there is a jewel, and I can chip away at it long enough, and I can get down into there to that jewel and everything else, and, and all. Well, guess what? That jewel is in there. Don't give up, okay? It's in there somewhere. You just got to find it. Get a sledgehammer sometimes and hit it and break that cement open and get that jewel out of there, all right? <laughs> Wow. Second thing, conflict resolution. Listen to this. Communication conflict resolution. Proverbs 15.1. A kind word or a gentle answer defers or turns away wrath. A kind word defers wrath. A gentle answer. Listen, I have three things I'm going to share with you about conflict resolution. Has anyone in here ever been taught conflict resolution other than Brother David and Miss Haley? <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six out of all these people, seven maybe. Conflict resolution, one of the most important things that you can learn in your life, and yet we never were taught that. No one ever taught us that in school. How do we resolve conflict? I'm going to start with what I call R&R, &R, recognize and realize. Recognize the enemy ahead of time and realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Recognize the enemy and realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Always remember that your spouse is not the enemy. That the devil, Satan, is prowling around, seeing who he can devour. He is trying to do you in and do your marriage in, okay? The spouse is not the enemy. Recognize and realize that there is an anger threshold, I call it, just like a door, a threshold, that you know at some point that if you go through that door, the fight is on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever been there? Come on, be honest with me. If you've ever been there, raise your hand. We've been there many times in 36 years. Believe me. If you go through this door right here, the argument is on, the fight is on, and there's trouble in Dodge City. Is that correct? And that could be one little thing that you say. It could be a little nod. You could laugh at your spouse if you know they hate to be laughed at. If you laugh, the argument is on. Come on. The fight is on if you go through that anger or that trouble threshold, I call it. Okay? And we choose sometimes to go through that threshold knowing that if we do that, it's on. I've shared this story many times for the new people. I'll share it again. June, she's smiling. She says, oh, no, don't tell it. 
We've gone down to Ambassador Caffrey in our van. I'm not feeling real good that day. Had a lot of stuff going on. I don't feel good. And we're starting a conversation. Y'all know as things are progressing. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. That somewhere in the horizon is an argument. And we're going along and it's building and building and building and building. And I've had a bad day and I just want to fight. Come on, am I the only man here who's been like that? Tim, you're the only other honest one. Okay, come on. And I'm just ready. I want to argue. I want to, I want to bite somebody's head off, okay? She's in the van with me. There's, there's my wife, and we're driving along, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And I knew that one particular thing in our relationship, that if I say it, it's on. And I said it. And you know what she did? She turns, and she says, my nickname's Bubba. She turns, and she says, I kind of look like a Bubba, huh? And she turned and she said, Bubba, I love you. You know what that did to me? Come on, talk to me. Oh, brother, let me tell you something. I felt that big, it poured a, a pitcher of cold water on my steaming little head, believe me. And it was gone. Conflict resolution. She realized who the enemy really was. She saw what was going on and she chose not to enter through that door that I chose to go through. And she ended it with love and we didn't go into that argument. Secondly, refuse to win. Let them win. It's not worth it. You win. You win. Thirdly, Resist the two H's, I call them. Two H's, hysterical and historical. Listen carefully, hysterical and historical. How many screamers do we have in here? Ladies, don't raise your hand. Men, don't raise their hands. How many screamers do we have in here? We have screamers in here, okay? Historical, how many people in here do we have? And men, okay. Well, you always this, June. Well, you always that. That's historical. Hysterical is the screaming. Historical is bringing up the past and throwing it in their face all the time. Are you with me? I call them the two H's, hysterical and historical. Resist that. Don't do that. Did I mention that David and Haley are having a class starting this coming weekend? Four, Saturday, 4.30, right? Four o'clock starts the introduction to it. Just want to let you know, y'all have open spaces, or they do have open spaces. Did I mention that to y'all? Starting this Saturday. Wow, isn't, isn't that amazing? Wow. Okay. Next one. Loyalty. Loyalty. Listen. Communication. Conflict resolution. Loyalty. Amos three three. Can can two walk together unless they agree? Unless they are one. This is referring to allegiance to defending your spouse, to standing up, sticking with them through thick and thin, okay, through the ugly, embarrassing things, things that cost you your comfort, even when your body parts start shifting, you just, you're loyal to them, that's still my baby, have you noticed that, come on, that's called loyalty, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, it leads to oneness, if you want to read a story about loyalty, read the book of Ruth. For the sake of time, I won't go into it. The book of Ruth, where Ruth stuck to her mother-in-law, Naomi, no matter what, and left her own land and followed Naomi to her land and to her people. And God honors loyalty, church. 
Listen, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Listen to it in the Living Bible, the famous love chapter. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. Loyalty. Let me tell you all something about this lady right here. If you like the way your face looks, don't go talk bad about me in front of her. I'm serious. She, 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 and a lot of ladies are like that. Probably most of you ladies in here. Don't go talk bad about me in front of my wife. She'll look and say, come see, I want, I want to tell you something. And that'll be right before you hit the ground, okay? <laughs> she's, she's very loyal. She's very, very loyal. That's loyalty. That's what loyalty is. Faithfulness. How about that? Number four, faithfulness. Luke 16.10 speaks of faithfulness in small matters. Not just we think of loyalty and then faithfulness. And we always think of faithfulness just in sexual connotations. You know, just was he faithful or was she faithful? Listen, listen, it's way bigger than that. How about faithful to your word? How about faithful to your financial commitments? How about faithful to provide for your family? How about faithfulness in all of these little things? Faithful to your vows to cherish and to honor your spouse. You see, the sexual faithfulness is just the tip of the iceberg. Like I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago, people just don't wake up and say, man, it's gorgeous right now. It's five minutes to 11. The sun, y'all notice how pretty the sun is and the weather out there? It's gorgeous. This would be a wonderful day for me to go out on June. That, that's not what happens, guys. It's all those little pebbles in your shoes, those little rocks in your shoes, month after month and year after year, and no communication and no spiritual leadership. And then comes the rest of those problems. Faithful in those small things. Let me give you some warning signs, though, about the sexual part of it. Listen carefully. Warning signs about this sexual aspect of it. Listen carefully. You're in trouble if you feel that you can talk to someone of the opposite sex more freely and with more understanding than you can your spouse. If someone of the opposite sex comes around you and you have a stirring of your senses with that particular person, you're in trouble and you need some help. You need to go, you need to go talk to someone, get some prayer and get some counsel. If all of a sudden this urgency for pornography comes up in your life, you're in trouble and, and, and you need some help. If all of a sudden your spouse is treating you differently and there's no affection there, there's, there's no hugging. There's no affection whatsoever. You're in trouble and you need some help. If you start making excuses for yourself for paying no attention and spending no time and doing it, and all of a sudden you're excusing yourself, you need some help. You need to repent, to confess. You need to become accountable. Did I tell y'all that Brother David and Miss Haley are having their class starting Saturday at 4 o'clock? And they have some openings there. Now, let me talk to y'all about the last one here. It's forgiveness. 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 
the two most important ones to me are communication and forgiveness. It's the last concept. Ephesians 4.31, forgive one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Ruth Graham said, a good marriage is the union of two awfully good forgivers. You got two marriages that have suffered major injury. Stay with me on this story. Major injury, major hurt. Let's just say the spouse goes to the casino and loses everything, comes back in the home, the house, everything is lost. Let's just say you have a marriage where one night the husband comes home drunk and he throws the wife all over the house and hits the kids and, and, and Both of them have suffered injury. In both cases, the offender is contrite and asks for forgiveness. In one marriage, the person who's been offended forgives. In the other marriage, the person who's been offended does not forgive. Uh, watch me, church. The one who forgives, the marriage survives. And the children have a testimony that they can pass on to their children. The one where there is no forgiveness does not survive. And that marriage is gone. In this one over here where there's no forgiveness, listen to what has really happened. The person who refuses to forgive blocks God's healing power in their life and the offender is very seldom restored. Forgiveness heals the one who's been defended. Forgiveness restores the one who is offended. Now listen, two keys. The person seeking forgiveness truly has to be repentant. And the person giving forgiveness truly has to give it from their heart, led by the Holy Spirit. A pattern of forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9. For if we confess our sins, if we are confessing our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and restore us unto righteousness. And we receive that into our lives so freely but we hesitate to give it to someone else. And we block the hand of God. Which leads me to this. I was sharing with Brother David that I've gone to so many houses and seen this with a magnet on an icebox. Because through the years, I forgot where I got it. I didn't come up with it. I found it probably almost 30 years ago. And I give it to every couple that I counsel. Ten words that keep a family together. Listen, listen, church, listen. Ten words that keep a family together. Say it with me. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Let's say them again. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I love you. 
Did I tell y'all that David and Haley are having a united couples class to enrich your marriage? If you think it's doing pretty good, go to this class. The truth, you'll see the truth. Believe me, is that correct? We love you. Would everyone please stand?